0: This is Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 158. This week, travel editor Rhiannon chats to digital editor Alex about her recent trip to Japan. They discuss everything from yuzu sake to Kyoto gin, Kazakai dinners to ramen vending machines, plus Kyoto's very own style of sushi
2: you're recently back from a trip to Japan which we're all very envious of Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) often in Britain we you know we buy some sushi or a cup of miso soup and we think we know Japanese food but it's such a long country spread out across so many islands and um, so it's very geographically diverse and similarly its food is therefore diverse Mm -hmm. you know from the south okinawa which is really tropical almost hawaiian with its coral reefs and sandy beaches while hokkaido up in the north is much cooler and mountainous um more alpine in climate and then of course there's tokyo with its um really urban bars and its cool vending machines and weird (laughs) cans that heat up their contents when you pull the ring pull um Uh, So, you know, it's really so diverse, um, and there's much more to Japanese food and drink than you might imagine. But um, let's start with sake, because you went to Tokyo, Matsumoto, which is an alpine city on Japan's main island of Honshu, but also to Kyoto, which we're mainly going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyoto is one of the country's real cultural centers, known for its gorgeous temples and traditional wooden tea houses. And one of the things I thought was really interesting when you came back was how you were talking about this whole area you'd found, which was dedicated to sake production.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think when people think of Kyoto, they don't necessarily think of sake. You'd you'd think more about the Geisha district, the mm-hmm. Gion district, and um, and it's all these little bars and it's um, very touristy and all the shrines, which is, are beautiful. But actually, in the the area where they have the Fushimi Shrine is, um, I actually went with Inside Japan Tours and they take you to places like, just what it says on the tin, like insider places where locals go. And um, it's a whole area like dedicated to, well, it used to be dedicated to sake, Um Breweries and all is the, the most amazing scorch wooden buildings really really atmospheric areas and when we went we were walking around it was quite deserted really but you can actually go and do tours of some of the sake distilleries so gekekan uh, we're gonna have some great pronunciation here <laughs> by the way because my languages don't span to japanese quite um and um that uh, Kakekanes is uh, one of Japan's most popular mainstream sakes and it's got like a the the traditional one has really herbaceous and grapefruity fruity notes and it was actually founded in 1637 so you can imagine the it's got a lot of history to um, to boast about, and you can do a tour of that brewery, and
2: they're often um, very beautiful. and Those old sake barrels are mm, painted and cut yeah, and really lovely.
1: They are beautiful. It's, it's a whole tradition in itself, and like there's some. They range in size, and yeah, there's illustrations because uh, because as. Um, many people know like the japanese attention to detail and the craftsmanship mm-hmm. is just so wonderful to see in the in the flesh would you say but um that i just loved yes yeah, seeing all of that um but i would actually recommend so the tour guide from inside japan took me to a place called fushimi Sakagura koji kuji which um kind of means fushimi's um sake like Warren I think um and they do seventeen taster trays of sake, <laughs> which um, was, we, we got through all seventeen. I thought we were sharing, and then we got one each and um, <laughs> made my way through seventeen different sakes from all across Japan, from the Wakayama region south of Kyoto to the mountains of Nara, and even in the northern um,
2: area of like Hokkaido that you were talking about, Sapporo. And do they all taste really different? Because you, you you kind of have this idea of what sake tastes like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are they really that different?
1: Yeah, so I must admit I'm not a sake connoisseur at all, so I can't talk about the nuances like I can Mm -hmm. in wine. However, there are some real differences. Like you get the cloudy sakes, you get the really um, clean, very herbaceous Mm -hmm. um, sakes, and then you get a lot of... um, like yuzu i I really like the yuzu ones so yuzu is like this beautiful aromatic citrus fruit from um from japan and um it's made its way across um to england and onto lots of menus in london and across the country um but i had um a yuzu sake from the uh, Wakayama region, and that was really like zesty, and I had that usually taste, but it was also Lovely. had a really nice fresh finish, so that's what I like about sake. And um, my travel companion, she loved it as well because um, it's a lot cleaner, and it's not you don't get you could we didn't really get many hangovers, even though we tasted <laughs> we a lot of them, so uh, it's a really good option to have, and also it's, it's a great place because. You could choose your food from all these little kiosks in this like warren of restaurants because as um, as is the case in a lot of places in Japan, it's literally like 10 little tiny restaurants, kiosks under one roof and you just like make your way deep into a building. We kept going, went through a door, went through a deserted um, restaurant, through another like little alleyway then through to the main and it's just amazing that you just something a facade can like seem like there's no no one in there it's really unpopular and then you go in and it's literally heaving um and we tried uh we uh, grilled our own we've got a little tabletop grill and grilled our own um so really salty little firefly squids. They were oh, amazing. And then these super sweet uh, cherry blossom, blossom shrimp, named because of their colour, because they're really vibrant and pink. So that's a really interesting thing to do. And also because they're so salty, it really lends itself well to pairing with uh, the sake.
2: And yeah. um, so yakitori is the, the big thing that people tend to pair with sake Yes, in Japan.
1: Yeah. So yakitori, I actually, again didn't know that it literally means skewered chicken I I think a lot of people well I I feel like a lot of people would think that it means anything skewered skewered, yeah but it literally means yaki um, is chicken and tori is skewered and it traditionally was um, includes like lots of different parts of the chicken so that might be liver neck skin like it's like a lot a lot more (laughs) weird and wonderful things so if you go to Japan you're going to try some weird and wonderful things but um you can get a lot more um tame (laughs) um tame things on a skewer and um it's now more commonly known for anything on a skewer really and in tokyo we visited the famous yakitori alley which even though you might think that that's a bit of a touristy mainstream thing to do i We had one of the best nights of our trip there. It was wonderful. We sat. You go down this tiny little alley. It's also called Piss Alley sometimes (laughs) because it's below the train station. It doesn't sound so (laughs) appetizing. No, but it doesn't. It's not like that. Um, And we sat and we just chose a random little against lots of little kiosks and holes in the walls.
2: And Do, do you know what front. you're getting? I mean, do, if yeah. you can't
1: speak Japanese, do... mm, we just kind of pointed at different things, mm. and um, he did actually. He was making one we're like that looks a bit interesting, and he we said, "Oh, what's that?" And he pointed to his crotch. And he was like, <laughs> "So we were like, it was like I think it was test chicken testicles or something <laughs> like that." So he said, "No, none <laughs> of that." But we had we had amazing ones which were really inventive. Well, they're not. Quite simple, but just you wouldn't really think of... We had sugar snap peas with bacon. That was our favourite one. Which when you're having... I'm a big meat eater, Mm -hmm. so like when you're having amazing wagyu beef and things, but one of my favourites was literally sugar snap peas because they were grilled so well. (laughs) We actually... um, made our way through 25 skewers between two of us. <laughs> and apparently everyone was looking at us in a funny way. But apparently you're supposed to have about my Japanese friend said usually have about five each. So we this you was our last well. night. So we were having a lot of sake, a lot of skewers. Um but also in Kyoto, um I'd recommend a visit to the yakitori restaurant Torresai. That's in the sake distillery as well. And it's actually it's like in the sake brewery district. And it's actually housed in an old sake brewery. So you can have your sake and in the, the really atmospheric scorch building. It so, sounds yeah. magical. Yeah.
2: And, and if you're not so interested in sake, are there other interesting things to drink there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did quite a bit
1: of research before I went. Obviously, I came across um, this guy who calls himself on Instagram the Ginger Distiller, and he's actually British, called Alex. Turns out he's a friend of a friend, which is very, very uh, random. But um, he went out to Kyoto. He got um, poached. Am I allowed to say that, Alex? I don't know. <laughs> but he got poached from a Cotswold, the Cotswolds Distillery and went to work uh, for st- at the Kyoto distillery so they've now got their own gin which obviously everywhere in the world is now Mm. making their own gin but it's a really beautiful gin and we had we tried it in um, this amazing little bar, because, you know, in Japan, again, that cliche of those tiny little six-person bars where yeah. you go and get served, like, all these amazing drinks by a bartender who doesn't speak English, and you just sit and chat or smile at people. Um, that is so true. And we went to this place called, he recommended, called Bar Bunkyu, which was... Um, a tiny spot with a space for eight people it was really dark really atmospheric you went down a little alleyway to get to it and you sat around this wooden table that almost felt like a big tree trunk and then the bartender now he was called he was such a wonderful man so smiley but so just so lovely and so giving mm-hmm. um and he Had a little. He had a little alcove, like cut out of the the table that he stood in, and he had about twelve cherry picked like uh, spirits from his favorite favorite Japanese spirits. So he served um, Kyoto gin distillery gin with uh, tonic and yuzu and Japanese pepper. So it was really aromatic and it was beautiful. And then also we had Nikka coffee whiskey, which is um, the one of the famous. whiskey's out there in a highball form so they serve it with soda to really let the the whiskey Shine. the flavour come out yeah mm. yeah so that was just such an amazing experience and actually after he closed the bar and took us we were sat with a Japanese couple and he took us to his favourite karaoke <laughs> bar after <laughs> it was just so cliche but it was so organic and it wasn't mm. anything I'd organised through Where it was purely people are just that's what's saying they're so giving and welcoming they want to show off their culture and it's just a wonderful wonderful thing. it place. sounds
2: like a really kind of fairy tale like Alice in Wonderland experience it is
1: yeah mm. Because you've you've got all these little rabbit holes and the warrens. Yes, it's wonderful.
0: Stay tuned to find out more from Alex, including what makes Kyoto sushi so distinctive.
2: And what else is good to eat while you're in Kyoto? Okay, what else? Ramen. Let's talk about ramen
1: because ramen is... So my Japanese friend, when I um, was researching where to go, and I said, where's the best ramen? in Japan and he was like you can't ask that question like for the Japanese people ramen is literally like post night out food or people go after you just you know go on the hot on the hoof and they Mm -hmm. just go in punch in the order at their vending machines because you order in a strange way that's um, I think westerners often get quite confused so you queue up for a long time often an hour to go to the the best ones, and you punch in your order at the uh, vending machine, and then uh, you pull out a ticket, and you go and sit down, and then your meal arrives when you sit down. Okay. Um, so there's not that much interaction with the uh, waiters, but um, and so he just said like everywhere's good and it is actually true but uh there were what I found was amazing which I knew before because I do love ramen I go a lot for ramen in London but there are so many different types um so in Kyoto we were only in Kyoto for three days and we had four different types of ramen um and our favorite was um called river ramen and it was by the by the river, which is like cherry blossom lined beautiful. canal. It's beautiful. Um and um their speciality is called Kohaku, Yuzu chicken ramen, which is a fragrant Yuzu, again, Yuzu, I love a bit of a theme here. Um fragrant Yuzu spiked broth filled with these thick, chewy noodles that weren't quite udon, but mm-hmm. they were thicker and paler than the sober noodles with Beautiful caramelised chasu, pork and katsuboshi flakes, which like dance Yum. and they're Yeah. And then um, we also has um, like tonkotsu type ramen from a place called Ramen Sen no Kaze. <laughs> and they have, um, I thought it was really interesting because they had um, a menu that you looked at while you were waiting because, again, it was such a long queue. And they had one that was popular with tourists and one that said the most popular with locals. So obviously I went for the um, local one, but which was uh, called Kyo no Shio ramen. And it was more of a creamy, salty pork stock, stock topped with like pork slices and veggies. But the one popular with the tourists was the miso based version. So and it's just like interesting. It's slightly cleaner. T- Yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah, probably less... Um, rich because yeah. they are quite intense um yeah and then the other one that I didn't know about before which um sorry about my ignorance but was at uh, su dipping ramen and those are um you get the udon noodles um really thick um noodles or you can get soba noodles as well and you dip them into this really rich thick foamy broth and we had that in a Uh, place in Tokyo and it's really, this place is really famous for that kind of ramen, it's called Rokorinsha and it's um, below the uh, train station in Tokyo, they open lots of outlets of ramen places so you could go to, you could go and pick which one you wanted, which one's got the best, the the least, waiting time um and we queued for an hour for that so yeah but it was so so worth it (laughs) it was unbelievable I could hardly even finish it and that's saying something because I eat a lot of ramen (laughs) but yeah I just thought it was fascinating the the variety that they have so you can't say oh I've eaten ramen in Japan tick you have to really
2: make your way around that's so interesting um and of course, most people when they're traveling to Japan will eat a lot of ramen and yakitori or those, I remember those little pancake-like okonomiyaki. Mm, um, yes, from Osaka. They're from Osaka yeah. they're, because they're cheaper eats generally, aren't they? Um, but the meal that really stood out for me when I went there was this um, traditional kaiseki dinner that I oh, yes. had in um, a very high-end ryokan, you know, one of the traditional Japanese inns where you sleep on the floor on tatami mats and the walls are paper screens um, and I remember eating at this little table cross-legged on the floor or you can kneel at, at it. it must have been a, a cold time of year because they had a little heater under the table oh and this, how lovely the, um the te- the tablecloth was like a quilt that you'd then pull over your legs and keep cosy while you had <laughs> this meal it's really sweet um but the meal was amazing it was a series of little dishes that were each very beautiful and delicious a kind of dream tasting menu a bit um part Willy wonka and part Marie Kondo <laughs> and uh I remember having sashimi that was so oh, fresh, yeah. rolled up on a bed of ice within this um little platter that was look I mean it, it was twigs it, it was a platter but it looked like it was just a woodland floor or something you know it was really beautiful. And then I remember these little individual charcoal grills being put down so that you'd have one single skewer of meat being grilled. Um And the dessert was this tiny yuzu and kava jelly that came with this little doll-sized silver spoon. And I remember the bubbles were suspended in the jelly. It was so beautiful. Um, But those meals are really expensive, so not everyone can try them. Um, But I don't know, is there a way of having that kind of food, just having that experience without, if you can't afford the full version?
1: Yeah, so I, again, when I was trying to plan out my trip because it was two weeks in total we didn't have like that much money mm. and you can yeah you can spend an absolute fortune on sushi and uh, the kaiseki dinners um and we we actually did have we had a one at a, a ryokan in uh, the Japanese Alps, which was called Tibera Onsen Myojinkan, and that was a rally and Chateau Lodge. Um, and it was, was so atmospheric. So you, you change into these traditional robes and you pad down to the like private dining room, sounds similar to your experience. And I just, the succession of like, immaculately presented dishes, it was just so beautiful, such an experience. <laughs> and we had like these super vibrant sansai mountain vegetables which are really vitamin rich and mm. super green um and then fish soup topped with like cherry blossom flowers and again like lots of sashimi grade uh, fish so like snapper and um we had some lake fish which was really nice mm. um but um if you want to enjoy like the variety that that casa Kaiserki, is it? Kaiseki, um oh, it. offers for bargain prices. It's always worth seeking out the lunch option as it's often half the price. And that's the same with that's sushi really places place. as well, uh, particularly in Tokyo and Kyoto, because those are the most expensive cities because it's like London. It's yeah. the capital everyone's going. Um so definitely seek out the lunchtime uh, options. But um, in Kyoto, a great value spot for this type of food was um, Giro Giro or Giro Giro. I'm not sure um, how you pronounce it. So it's G-I-R-O, G-I-R-O. And that was recommended to me by Louis Harra, who um, we've had on the podcast yes. before. He's um, half Japanese and he does these amazing... He's called The London Foodie. He does a... Amazing Japanese sub club in his house in Islington. So, highly recommend going to to taste his uh, Kazakai if you want to have it in London. Um, but he recommended this to go to in Kyoto, and that's really good value. It is a in the evening so it is a little bit more expensive than you'd have at lunch but I definitely think it's worth it because in Kyoto there's some seriously expensive like <laughs> Nobu style um, places um, but they use really, really super fresh local ingredients um, and again you get a lovely view of the, the cherry blossom lined river and yes, Yeah,
2: it's lovely. like, a, it's a blowout thing but it is yes. really special Yeah, you have to do it once yeah. You have to do it once I, try, I remember buying some of those little spoons to bring back with me thinking, Aww. I'm, I'm going to eat like this all the time. <laughs> time yeah. at home and of course it doesn't quite work when you're presenting kind of, you know present every, or something but i um, always
1: think that because you present you want to present every because when you go to a japanese restaurant it goes without saying you're going to get presented with a hot towel yes. and some green tea and it's just so ze- they don't like the fact that zen has been um brought over and use in such because well, apparently we don't use it in the correct way but let's not get into that but um I always said that oh, I'm gonna do that whenever my guests come around now and it's like no chaos in the kitchen
2: <laughs> 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 um now you touched on it a bit but we haven't really spoken about um sushi and I no. know that Kyoto isn't especially known for sushi but you were saying that there is it does have one particular style of sushi or its, its own style of sushi mm,
1: yeah which um I didn't particularly love it but it's worth mentioning because I think if you were to go out for sushi in Kyoto and you're expecting the Tokyo style sushi which is called what's it called um Edomai sushi and that was um founded like about a century ago I think in Tokyo Tokyo, Tokyo, Kyoto. Um, and so Kyoto is landlocked so traditionally like the fish had to be preserved uh, with vinegar so um, it isn't as often as fresh as this. you can taste the vinegar. Uh, mm. yeah and also it's a bit sweeter. I don't know what this this the sweetness comes from and often it's got a lot of mackerel instead of a lot of tuna that okay. um, the Tokyo sushi has. Um, and they call it Kyozushi. So it's like Kyoto, Kyoto Sushi. sushi. Um, and they also, another thing that's different is they don't ever accompany it with soy sauce. So in Tokyo, they often try and steer away from that. But in Kyoto style sushi, they definitely don't use that. Um, but I did prefer the um, Edomide Tokyo style. And some Japanese friends took us to a great spot in Ginza in Tokyo called mantenzushi and again that's worth seeking out for lunch time because it's half the price but it's really good value in the evening mm-hmm. as well I think it was about 35 pounds for the um, omakase chef's choice menu so they just bring out a succession of um, like that we had seabreeb nigiri fatty tuna super fatty tuna <laughs> and um, some more unusual and challenging courses which um, my friend Kate particularly <laughs> <laughs> struggle with I actually have to admit, I did even struggle. So we had monkfish liver and the giant abalone sea snails. Oh. But I just, I love snails, like the French, but they're just so different. It's like a giant mushroom, but it's re- like really spongy and wet tasting. <laughs> so it is a delicacy and my my palate just mustn't be refined enough <laughs> for it. But um, I really recommend that Manton sushi place. It's literally in uh, the bait. Bo- basement of a shopping centre, like a lot of places are Mm. in Japan. So that's quite a a different style of eating than in London and in Western Mm. cultures, because I think people might be a bit snobby about it, think, oh, I'm not going to go to a shopping centre for my sushi, but actually some of the best Really local spots are in those places. So it's definitely it's worth interesting,
2: isn't it. Too. It's almost extremes. You've got the kaiseki dinners with all this lovely presentation, and your mm-hmm. surroundings are as important as what you're eating. And then elsewhere, the food's amazing, but it's in a shopping centre or mm-hmm. it's coming out of a vending machine. Yeah, or, you know, exactly. It's real extremes.
1: Yeah. Just really goes to show like it's just an amazing country, honestly. Like it's just, I was completely overwhelmed and I've always wanted to go and I was just still completely gobsmacked by it so yeah and I feel like we've only (laughs) scratched
2: the surface I mean we haven't talked about green tea or Japanese single malts or all that Japanese coffee nerdery um, or something I'm really interested in in such a high tech nation is the burgeoning farm to fork scene. Mm, um, yeah. I think you're just going to have to go back and yes. report on it. Oh I <laughs> didn't mind Rianne. send me back. <laughs> um, in the meantime look out for Alex's Japanese features in the July and August issues and I also recommend scrolling through your back catalogue of Olive magazines to read Tim Anderson's feature on offbeat Tokyo Eats that um, we published in the March issue mm-hmm.
1: he also did a great podcast with Janine about um, Tokyo Eats as well That's so right.
2: a, a few months ago look yeah, out up. for that, yeah. or keep an ear out for that yes, <laughs> <laughs> thanks Alex thank yeah. you
0: so that was the Olive Magazine podcast if you like this episode please head over to iTunes and leave a review, we'd love to hear from you, if you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com You can still pick up a copy of our June issue on the newsstand now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.